Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast Season 9, Episode 10. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Ray from the All About Sites. This week we're coming back to a favourite subject of the podcast. We're getting excited about operators, innovation and Google Fi. And can I suggest you just fast forward to the end of the podcast because they're both wrong. Jens, good to see you. Come on. You high energy. Oh, high yes. energy, yes, yes, because this topic is one where you're all wrong. Fair enough. Let's get into it though. He's, he's set the bar high early. Mm-hmm. But just before just before we get into you telling us why we're wrong yeah. uh, on, on the subject du jour, mm-hmm. uh, Rafe Blanford, what's that in front of me on the table? Those are the two new Lumia devices from Microsoft, the 640 and 640 XL. Are we being paid to promote these? No, but uh, I did go to a recent uh, event and Microsoft were very kind to give me review devices to talk about. Oh, fair enough. Well, we won't be talking about them today, uh, not least because you actually haven't had time to review them properly. But I tell you what, that 640 XL, just I was holding it a minute ago and just the size, it's a bit, I, I, I'm all about the big screen phones now. You know, so all that, all that big screens are rubbish. That's, that was last Gone. season. Mm-hmm. This season, I'm all about the big screen phones and that 640 XL. It's not half bad. Now, how much is that? Because it's, it's a nice little orangey ready. Well, this one is orange. Yeah, it's yeah. very orange, isn't right. it? There, there are blue versions and black boring versions. But uh, I think the list price on that is about £219. But when you actually go and shop on the high street, you'll pick it up for about 180 no, That is ridiculous. And, and for launch pricing, I mean, that would be down to 150 before too long. That wow. is exceptional for because um, that screen is pretty good. That, that the case and the design and, the, and that sort of stuff is good. And you were saying that the camera is also, you know, surprisingly good. It's got the Zeiss lens in. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's sort of ninety-five percent towards a high camera. And the interesting thing is, you get sixty pounds of Office three six five thrown in as well. Yeah, right. that is really getting my attention. There. Well, that was hardly an objective review, but certainly impressive bits of kit. And I certainly, I was nice to see that Microsoft are going to keep putting out impressive devices because for their for their failings in the past Nokia always managed to put out nicely engineered nicely finished devices you know the software sometimes wasn't quite there but they really got the hardware wrong and it's still good hardware what's now, the label in this one is it Microsoft or Nokia it, it says Microsoft on it? It? and oh, you yes, get that on the boot up as well um, well I guess we'll talk more about them uh, in the future but it's great to see you being complimentary about something that's you know dear to my heart Almost as exciting as discovering concrete in the countryside. This is it, Rolf. Recently, you've been posting some pictures of concrete blocks on the internet, and I presume this isn't an elaborate hoax. No, I found dragon's teeth. It was very exciting. And for 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 those Uh, of us, including myself, yeah, what? Uh, So dragon's teeth. WTF? uh, Something that makes up the stop line, which runs on the Uckfield line in the Just UK. be careful what you say. It's part of the GCHQ stop line, which was in World War II to anti-invasion defences. And what what they do, they're anti-tank defences. So big blocks going across important roads, acting as roadblocks. There we go. All right, I thought he was going to get all... Always, inform- um, always informative. Mystic Some, on it. Sometimes interesting. I thought you were talking about the, the, the fault, you know, thingy lines. If you lie down, you can get pregnant. No, um, you're, you're, think, you're, think- you're thinking ley lines. Ley not- that's what that's the ones, yeah. <laughs> Anything interesting going on with you, right, uh, Ewan? Um, well, I'm in Edinburgh a lot. You're not right now? Uh, no. No, I'm calling this in London. Uh, yeah, I've Thank been travelling a LBI. lot. Just uh, get that obligatory plug in. Digitas LBI, we love you. And hi to all the uh, the legions of uh, Rafe Blanford fans. I mean, after that CNN thing. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about CNN. Rafe was on the telly. Yeah. 
Yeah, talking about what were you talking about, Rafe? I was talking about the Google Mobile algorithm change, which is basically that's right. Mobile yeah. usability gives you a boost up the search engine rankings. Easier to explain than say, certainly. Um, we we are amongst television world here. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, Mr. Bloomberg over there can't really talk. Well, this, they haven't had me back for a while. I think I think I was boring last time, and they haven't invited me back. But it's congratulations! All it's all about availability. Yeah, congratulations, but, but, Rafe. You were you were impressive. It pains me to say it, but you were impressive. Well, thank you. For that. I, I, I have to return the compliment. What's been happening in your life, Ben? Very little indeed. Look, okay. I, I have I have a small child, so I, I go to work. How was the child? I eat food and then I fall down face well, I, I have to say, your production is much more impressive than anything I do. Well, in, in, indeed. Although, if you if you if you saw some of the smells emanating from the child recently, you possibly wouldn't be quite so impressed. He he is well, thank you, and I am a little bit tired, but it, it, he have children; they're fantastic. I thoroughly recommend it. Uh, um, so anyway, I cut you off. Yes, thank you for that. I, in Edinburgh, I've been using Get Taxi a lot. Mm. Because you know, I'm needing to get around a lot, and I just don't want to hail anything. So, Get Taxi just launched in Edinburgh a little while ago. I haven't really used it that much because I've, I've been tending to favour Halo more in London. But yeah, do have a look at it. It's particularly neat the, the way they've done the user interface. I used Uber. Oh, uh, just stop using Uber. I used Uber as a link through from City Mapper because when you use City oh, Mapper right, in London, okay. Uber is one of the the options, and it, it, all, it all links. Okay. It all links through. It's very. And I wondered whether or not City Mapper would get a kickback if I use Uber. Uh, from City Mapper, you know, and I do that. You'd hope, but I mean, that would be quite they, nice. They, they do. do. Do they, they get do. It's, a, it's part of Uber's API program that they basically it's an affiliate service, and something I expect to see a lot more of this whole app interlinking thing because it works like really well. Well, mm. I'm glad because I really like City Mapper, and I get to the point yeah, now, I, I use City it so Mapper. much, I want to give them some of my money. And I can't because you can't buy the app. There's no premium city mapper. Oh. So I like to try and shop through their app, but even just as a sort of a sign of, of my appreciation for a, re- a job really just well don't done. don't like it when the guys go, oh, yeah, I say Waterloo, please. And the guy goes, yeah, let me just put that in the sat nav. No, 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 no. You should know where that is. Yes. Fair enough. It's not okay. in Belgium. But no. No, it's not in Belgium. Right, okay. Let's, let's so let's go back to you being wrong. Let's so. drag this back to the subject of mobile network operators this uh, week. Right, so this is it, listeners. We're talking about mobile operators again, right? And I think this is a non-conversation, right? You might as well switch off now. Excellent. Well, that's why you and doesn't do the promotions of the podcast. <laughs> that's also why you and doesn't do the research for the podcast. Fair enough. Right. Okay. And and I have been through the research, right. and it's very cool. But the answer is, this is a, a rubbish industry. All right. Well, look, the just, deal is done for, for the for the for the sake of completeness. Just recap. On, right, just yeah, recap right. the typical complaints that we've had over the last couple of years about operators. Well, zero next to zero innovation. Um, everything's chained to a SIM card. There's no transaction capability beyond. I mean, you're buying stuff, commerce, and the like. Uh, they haven't done anything with their big data. Uh, location is such a nightmare that it forced the handset operators to have to put GPS into the handset, despite um, yeah, location being permanently available to all the operators with no battery overhead. But the operators just couldn't couldn't get their uh, the ducks in a row. Billing, uh, not, oh, can I jump in? Billing nightmares, billing, uh, international roaming, roaming, silly, silly nonsense of text message. You know, I would say bundles. just the way they said it, the the proposition that they offered, it feels a bit prehistoric. Twenty four month contracts. It's I've just had enough of it, and so is the market. Yeah, so I, I, I don't. So we're going to talk about operators, and I'm, I'm happy we're doing so because I think we can put it to bed. Right? Fair enough. You, you think nine, nine seasons in, we can just knock this on the head, and we won't need to come back to it. Well, I think we can. I think we can all agree that. Um, anything new in the mobile operator land is is useless. 
No, I, I am a fan no, of. Sorry, I am a agree. fan of sweeping statements, right? Because <laughs> really, never. <laughs> so for, for for people just joining us, yeah, and now follows a statement of blinding obvious, right? Because I, I think the innovation <laughs> is coming from and being forced externally, right? So I have to look at what Amazon's doing, and then Google's new um, Google Fi, are we calling it a fee, fi, fire oh, fee, bum. Um, their new network that I've been I've been talking about quite a bit on my blog. Um, do you I, blog? I do. I do. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Do you actually blog, or do other people blog for you? Well, Roland does quite a lot. He's uh, he's, he's excellent. Have a look. Okay. Mobileinterview dot com. Your staff of writers. Yeah, she's really good. Um, yeah. It's it's excellent, and it, well, we we correspond, and and you know he does a lot of the writing because I'm get, going crazy doing a lot of the other stuff. All right, so let's yeah. let, let, let's get UK specific for a moment. Right, look, you, yeah, because can you just even, do the do the nonsense bit first, right? Okay. This is relevant. All right, uh, let, let's, let's let, go for it. Let's talk about the UK for a moment. And apologies, interrupt. Apologies, no, American listeners and and people in other the places. American listeners care. Well, they, they'll care, but also this is relevant. Although some of the names and the companies won't won't play out. But Rafe, stuff stuff is changing. I mean, you and you and may or may not be right. Probably yeah, not. You're since in, you're in, come on, but, you'll get to the end and you'll see. But, but I think, stuff is changing. Yeah, even Ewan would have to admit there's been fairly massive changes in the operator landscape in the UK in the last few months. And it's a broader trend, although we're talking UK specific, the same consolidation is going on in other markets. And it's a result of uh, partly the cost of infrastructure and also the commoditization of the technology. But we've seen um, BT buy an operator. Mm-hmm. We've seen three by another operator. So cool. we're effectively losing two of our operators in the UK. Yep. And All right. What, what, well, that's that, not innovative. Is that a good thing? Well, but is that a sign of failure, though? Like when, when, yep. when, when the competition start buying each other, is that really just a mark that there is no meaningful differentiation? Yeah, nowhere else to go. I think that, yes, um, it, it, it's typical of a market where it's become quite mature and actually the way to acquire new customers is to do a, a merger which lets you then do things on different economies of scale. I mean, kind of the underlying irony of this is actually the wrong. each company bought the wrong one in terms of a physical infrastructure because of the network sharing arrangements we have in the UK. Actually, you've, you've got crossover now. Mm. And so effectively, in theory, at least, you'll have companies able to utilize the full kind of physical networks in the UK. And, and by the wrong ones, you mean that these are... There were companies already collaborating on sharing network infrastructure, and what they didn't do was buy the other companies that they were already sharing infrastructure with. So, um, e, well, now let, let me get this right, Rafe. Um, e, E, and B, T, but actually three and O two is perhaps the more interesting one. That mm-hmm. they were on different sides of a network sharing deal. So now they're on both sides of a network sharing deal potentially. Yeah, and you've got Vodafone, who used to kind of be the the big cheese in town, actually kind of looking a bit isolated. Oh. Uh, and what we're also seeing here, I mean, BT is an interesting case because they're actually kind of launching their own operator, which we'll get into later. But there is very much about kind of this um, aggregate play, you know, a triple play. They're offering phone line, traditional landline, broadband. They're getting into TV and now they're buying a mobile operator. And actually, that's part of the reason that 3 and EE went ahead. I mean, I think that's also about 3 wanting to scale up. I mean, that's Hutchinson wanting to go from being the kind of the fourth player in the UK market to become... Uh, are bigger. We sort of seen sort of similar things happen in the states and also some of the other European markets, and actually also in some of the uh, developing markets as well. We're sort of seeing similar behaviour. Uh, Ewan's right in that it's not sort of innovative and, long. What's that? and new. Yeah. Um, but I actually think it's a pretty big change 
in the sense that the way that um, the kind of the traditional drivers of that operator market, which has been around a lot of customer acquisition, is, is starting to change. So it gives me hope that we might actually see a return to sort of not necessarily innovation, but certainly a different way of looking at the market. Let's talk about... Well, no, is this the operators actually finally recognising, you know, stopping, you know, stop the nonsense at Mobile World Congress, getting up and saying, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. It's finally saying, okay, do you know what? Yeah, we are just a commodity play. Actually, I, I, We do want some money from you. Just share a story with you. I, I got a press release, as I often want to do, through my email the other day, and it, yeah. I, I, I skimmed the headline, and it said, exciting new offering from EE. I thought, oh, right, okay. Yeah, what are they doing? I wonder what they're doing. And, and it turned out what they were doing was giving their customers free portable battery chargers, yeah. which you could bring back into the store and swap for recharged ones. And whilst... I have to give them credit that that's quite a nice freebie. I think if you own several million pounds worth of radio network infrastructure and the rights to use a whole bunch of dedicated spectrum and you think giving people 20 pound free portable uh, battery chargers is a major innovation, then I'll I'll query whether or not you're necessarily performing. Ah, but I think it's a really clever business objective because it increases footfall to your stores. And when you're doing selling more than just smartphones, which, of course, EE is now, this is a way to get customers into your store and potentially put them in front of your other propositions. Change the dynamic, yeah. So I think, actually, it's a really smart piece of business. Um, And it's sort of, you know, we talked before about why do customers care about which operator they're with. This makes you love EE just as, you know, you loved Orange for Orange Wednesdays, which was a promotion that gave you free cinema tickets. Uh, I, I find it I'm hard to... Uh, I'm not buying it. I find it hard to love EE, but I think they've discussed yeah. print reasons for that enough in the past. Right. Can you, can, I, can I can't, you fast forward through the nonsense that you think is innovative? Come on. Okay, well, actually... That, we, yeah, the, they're going to talk about... What are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about the ID. The, well, the quick, the quick one is... Right, come on. It, it, Tell us about your innovative nonsense. Well, the, the, same, the same week as I got the silly battery charger email... We've got, a couple, we've got a couple of announcements from companies. We've got um, revolutionary. We've got ID or ID from Carphone Warehouse launching. Um, we've got, as you say, Google Fee or Fi. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how we're going to pronounce that. Launch, oh, I, launch, I launching in the states, as in Wi-Fi. And uh, Hutchinson and Empire have announced Hue, and we'll, we'll come back and touch on all of those three in a moment, Rafe. But there is at the moment a flurry of new network announcements, which seems odd immediately following a period of consolidation. So, what's what's different about the new stuff that's launching now? And actually, it should, does it warrant any attention? Uh, I think we have to divide it into different categories because BT is probably the most interesting one because that's a new entrant. This is partly as a result of they bought part of the 4G spectrum in the auctions that happened. And you see this happen in other markets when you skip forward a generation of radio technology, either due to government regulation, and it can be an obligation under the licenses to have a a new player in, and it's a way of kind of controlling the markets. Um, And this is probably one of the reasons, actually, that um, there won't be a problem from competition regulators around the consolidation we've just been talking about. So BT is coming in and becoming an operator now, it is sort of operating off other people's networks at the moment, but certainly it's bought spectrum, and certainly in cities it can build up quite a substantial network. And, you know, it's kind of BT becoming full circle. You know, they used, you know, O2 came out of them, you know, going way back. BT Cellnet, wasn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Happy uh, Memories. Uh, and no, not Happy Memories, the other one. Yeah. Terrible service, that thing, yeah. Uh, and uh, BT's interesting, but I think because of the way they're approaching the market, they're sort of saying to their broadband customers, of which they have very many, and also their TV customers, we'll give you... I'm a TV customer as well. We'll we'll give you a really good data bundle. I haven't used it yet. um, We won't actually charge you very much for it. So 
you know, we've complained about pricing before, and this actually feels like getting down to sort of near wholesale pricing levels, you know, substantially cut, cutting your bill. I mean, yes, it's a commodity thing, but isn't that something that's attractive no, no, to you, yeah, Ewan? I am, yeah, yeah. So brass tax, brass tax. I've got good things to say about this one. Um, so where's, where's, where's I looking here? Right, okay. At the top end, customers can take an enormous 4G data allowance of 20 gigabytes, okay. unlimited text and minutes for just 20 quid a month. Cool. Now, so the next thing I want to know, and we don't, I don't have a detail here, is internationally, what happens internationally. So if you can make it simple, and we did talk about this a few weeks ago, I'm sure, where we're talking about if you, if you are a quad play, the way to do it is just to make it simple and easy and get out of the way. Another pro- a problem I will have is this is probably very much SIM-based. So I'm making an assumption that this is just SIM-based. If they can just say, look, you as many SIMs you want, as you want, just you know, it, give us 20 quid. It, it, it is still sim based but I think point, it's going in the right direction. The point that's interesting here is actually it is only SIM-free. You cannot buy a handset through BT currently. Now, part yeah. of that might be because they're waiting for the EE to go through and they don't want to have to set up devices twice effectively. But even so, it's their existing customer base and they're kind of, you know, they're not marketing through traditional channels. And I've got family members who have actually bought into this because they're BT broadband subscribers. And they say, yeah, I'll, I'll pay an extra fiver on my broadband and get... No, and it's a couple of gigabytes of data. It's an unlimited. Yeah. And they're, they're paying seven quid a month. Uh, so I think it's... So I'm, ga- I'm game for that. I like that. You know, okay. I, I, I think it's interesting. And uh, I think what BT will, will be able to then introduce, potentially unify across landlines and mobile. You see, I'm really dubious about these quad plays because at the moment... Well, I'm not sure if that is a quad play, but I'm, I'm, I'm really dubious about these multiple Well, let's, let's just work out quad plays. So it's, it's uh, broadband, yep. phone... Yep. Tele. And television, the way yeah. they do now, yeah. and, and mobile. And, mobile. and the, the problem for me there is that bundling those up really gives you the best of any of those services. Yeah. And, and the, the, the saving in the UK market, you know, big caveat, but in the UK market, the saving, although there is some, is really so huge that it makes me feel inclined to go away from just getting the best. The best uh, bigger. So I, I think they should have done, you can have anything. They should have done, the, you know, the three model, which is, is it 15 to 20 quid? You get more or less unlimited everything, which is effectively what they're they're, they're offering. Well, and because they're based on because they're based on three, the pricing model looks a lot a yes. lot like three. But if if they had just said, do you know what, it's a fiver, I, I think a fiver everything, just move the market, do a free serve. I, I don't think we're the target market for for bundling and sort of quad play strategies because for a lot of people it is convenient just to have it under a, a single offering, and it's a bit like you know, if you've got utilities, do you have gas and electricity from separate companies or do you do it? One. But I think that that utility thing is an is an interesting one though because with utilities now again particularly in the UK market you, many of the people I know just go to a comparison website type in their demand it spits out one tariff two tariffs whatever is the best deal and then you sort of click through and you might have to sign up once or twice but actually it's it's still relatively low friction whether you need to do it once or twice and because they're commodities that you can understand people can people can buy and I think again you know if we were talking about if we were talking about very, very, you know, sort of desirable offerings or very, very differentiated offerings, then then it, maybe it would be more interesting. But actually, you know, Sky, for example, who is the the the, the largest the largest provider of sort of paid for TV in in the UK, doesn't doesn't offer its services through anybody else's bundles and things like that. So you're not, and and nobody else really can compete with their offerings except perhaps for 
Virgin who have their own problems and have to license content and it, it all gets very complicated but you're not looking at three strong TV players, three strong mobile players and three, you know, three strong broadband players and actually everybody's, everybody's got one strength and their other offerings look, look pretty weak. Um, the, 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 thing I, the thing I wanted to, to, to move on to there was we touched on it but didn't, didn't really probably give it enough time was that sense of also with, with mobile outside of the home market as well and roaming and, and, and that yeah, sort of Yeah, because that'll be the arse. If, I suppose the BT one will, will reflect what 3 does, which is reasonably good now, and they're getting, they're getting pretty good um, across Europe, America, New Zealand, well, and so I, on. Well, I was interested in, in looking at ID, so Carphone, Dixon, the warehouse thing. Yeah, so, this is the one I've got a problem with. Well, actually, I, I, think, this is, I think this is interesting because um, the, reason it, the reason it stood out to me is if you look at the tariffs in the home market, they're relatively unremarkable. They use three as a, as, a, as a carrier. Their tariffs look close to threes, and I'm not sure, in some cases, for the, for the very demanding customers, why you wouldn't just choose three in the first place until you get to roaming. You say, well, actually, three, as, one, as a UK operator, three has pioneered some interesting pricing on roaming, and there's quite a lot of countries you can go to where all your roaming is sort of in bundle, and it, yeah. it's pretty good. But in this case, ID are calling out the fact that they've got even better roaming so they've built on... Or they're taking a hit on. Well, they're either taking a hit or they're using uh, relationships in, in, in other markets. So well, three's doing it for them. I mean, if you look at the countries, they're probably just going, oh, nobody goes to Bulgaria. Or, well, there, or, there yeah. is some difference. I mean, to put numbers on this, ID roams into 22 countries in, kind of in the bundle, where three is 18. And actually, the three ones, a lot of it comes from the other Hutchinson operators. Yes. So uh, quite how this is, is going on. I suspect this could be a relatively short-lived advantage given that um, we've seen more movement in this way. But the very fact it is one of their key propositions is actually interesting in itself. But how long ago would you have to scan through the small print to identify roaming charges at all, let alone have them announced in the in the press release as called out as one of the major, the yeah, major attractive I, things? Okay, I, I see it, but I just felt they've just done a copy of three and they've done the best to try and differentiate it. But if, is that the best they can do? Well, I, th I think also worth bringing up here, given you know, give the benefit of the doubt, is they've talked about bill shock, mm. and they're actually doing everything on twelve-month contracts, and they're doing the four you know, G. Why? Why not six months? Why? Why twelve? Why not nine? Why not four months recurring? Why? Why twelve? Uh, I think there it's you go. A, lack it, of innovation. Okay, you could argue that's because what the consumers used to. I, th I think it's probably what the consumers used to. Well, it's just and a different price. I think it's going to be really, really difficult to differentiate I mean, it's, itself. It's the same thing with the core play, which is not actually so much. I mean, there is some consumer convenience, but it's really about trying to mitigate the cost of acquisition. Because for all of these services, the cost of acquiring a new user is enormous, which is why they're always so keen to retain you, which is why you get locked into these longer contracts. And for most people, actually, it's not a big deal because... They don't care about switching operators. So I, I think that's something that we chase after a lot, but the majority of people don't care about. If you ask a typical person, they, you know, it's not unusual to find someone who's been with the same operator for 10 years. Yeah. I think I need to correct myself. And I think a minute ago I said uh, BT was based on three, and of course I meant EE. It's ID that's based on three. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think the, the argument stands regardless. So you and you, you, 4G plan in the UK market value. But, but we are, I just don't, we, nobody cares. We, we are, are not going to be in a year's time going, oh my God, have you seen that there's 5 million ID users? But price differentiation at this stage, particularly in the UK market where prices are so competitive, does feel like a, a, you know, a, a, a losing battle. So we've talked about roaming as another way that operators are differentiating themselves. But Rafe, they're, they're genuinely... 
I suppose the, where Ewan's challenge stands up is they're genuinely not able to offer new services. All, all, the, all the interesting things that are, are being being launched are always over the top plays and they generally t- tend oh, to work around the yeah. operators. And they're independent of operators. But I mean, what is kind of interesting here maybe is that we're seeing a resurgence in kind of, I don't want to call it the MVNO model because that's not really the point, but it's other brands becoming operators. Forgetting so, how bad it is. So, m and Mobile, anybody? But potentially. Well, you can look at success stories as Six well. Six users or something? Uh, Tesco's Mobile and Virgin Mobile. But the, the point here is actually um, that customers are being given a certain amount of choice and by becoming smaller and segmenting, they can actually be more attractive to a specific type of customer and therefore potentially have a better relationship. And I, I, this is, the, so in, we, we talked about MVNOs in the past, which are mobile virtual operators. And, and Rafe, what's an example, what's a good example of an MVNO people would be familiar with? Uh, Virgin Mobile is probably the most obvious one. And that, that's just flat out using somebody else's infrastructure. Yeah. And MV, yeah. the MVNO is a brand and a billing engine, basically. Yeah, and th- there are different types of M- MVNOs because you can sort of, you have aggregated ones, which is where the football clubs that have their own MVNO will go through one kind of holding group. But the bigger ones like Tesco's Mobile yeah. or Virgin Mobile are sort of the big big players and will have their own complete systems and then kind of connect to the network. And so this is where I wanted to, to talk perhaps about a different angle, which actually might not be quite so relevant to consumers, but might be interesting in terms of where mobile networks do have space to innovate. And that's the Hutchinson One Power uh, announcement recently they launched something called Hue mm. and the Hue is an MVNE mm. now what's the E stand for Blanford Blanford looks confused and I know the answer it's enabler yeah uh, mobile virtual network enabler and as I understand it and I no doubt you will jump in and correct me because I'm only five minutes ahead of you on the reading on this one is <laughs> the key thing about an MVNE is it's basically a set of uh, interfaces that you can plug into to sort of build your own build your own network and you can control the network you can uh, manage smart. it to a much greater extent and the network becomes a the network becomes an interface that you use rather than uh, if you're an MVNO you'd be stuck with everything working the way that the host company wanted and perhaps what you might do is just bill people in a slightly different way and stick mm. a different brand on a, on a phone and that seems really smart um, obviously MVNEs aren't especially new they've existed before but the the reason this one caught my attention was one it touches on my power and they have more money than big player exactly um but two this was a multinational offering so hue doesn't just let you get to three's network in the uk or something like that but actually allows you access to all hutchinson's networks or the majority of them around the world and that's really cool because now we're starting to talk about effectively global mobile networks yes Right, so I like that. I like the sound of that. I'd like to make sure that it is independent of SIM at some point. I, I haven't looked dramatically at it. Well, the first thing, the first thing that stuck that occurs to me was actually that's kind of that's kind of cool, you know. But I don't see it's especially immediately useful to consumers. But what about connected devices? Mm. What about you know? I, I was reading well, this is it. You know, you know, about connected cars. Mm-hmm. What about connected you know things? What about if you're manufacturing some consumer electronics that needs to have, connected. Well, yes, but something that something that we talked to a few episodes ago remember, yeah, yeah. about devices that couldn't rely on Wi-Fi. Well, every laptop that, should have 
had an integrated sim in it, so, but the, yeah, the operator just didn't do that. Well, what if you make vending machines? You know, you can't rely on your vending machine being in Wi-Fi coverage. I mean, all right, and I realise that's not very sexy, but you know, you, if you, you need to make vending machines that are distributed around the world, yeah, and all of a sudden now these things could be connected by virtue of you know well, accessing a network that was enabled by anything. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing to stop you actually using kind of virtual SIM cards. You don't actually have to use a SIM card chip, and you can do the sort of thing that Euron's talking about while using the infrastructure that's in place. Because essentially what this is doing is allowing you to plug into the, the raw back end of the operator. Now, it, that's a massive oversimplification. And it's also an opportunity to laugh at the words raw back end, but let's keep going. <laughs> Thank you for that, Ben. Um, <laughs> but, but the point is, you can actually, rather than just being an MVO, which is essentially just a reseller, you can create a whole operator kind of in software, and then you will start getting new types of operator. Now we've made reference there to kind of machine to machine things, but you, it would be absolutely possible to create an operator that sort of fulfilled some of Ewan's requirements in terms of uh, the pricing, in terms of the multiple it's SIM cards and things like that. It's just the data connection and whatnot. Get out of the way. In fact, that's yeah, why But you I don't, really don't like want that. You want some of the smarts that is built into the mobile network. We talked about this in a earlier yeah, season with, uh, with with Dan Lane and there are a lot of companies actually working in this space. Friend, friend of the show Dan Lane whose uh, company Simwood are doing something I think at a, to fair to say it's an enterprise or a wholesale level that's, that's sort of uh, in this in this sort of space which is very smart if you need that sort of thing please contact and, him. And, mm-hmm. and it's sort of you know Truephone is another company that's worked in, in this space and you know you can do things like have certain compliance issues for recording phone calls if you're in you know, uh, financial sector or whatever it happens to be, and you can actually route um, things straight into your own infrastructure. So, you know, text messages will arrive as a, as I understand it, as basically a HTTP request. Um, voice calls will arrive as as SIP, and that can then be all of that is kind of an open thing. You can start doing really interesting things with it, and that that openness. I think it depends on how deep an enabler it is. But certainly the impression I'm getting is that we're going to potentially see a lot more around that. And I think the, the ones we were identifying there around wearables or the industrial internet of things has the most potential. So but would you at least accept that, that these virtual operators that are now, because in some respects, hasn't, has, has Hutchinson and Power accepted that the network is a utility and yeah, they just so that's, decided that's to sell it to, really I, smartly? I'm, I'm really attracted to that. Yeah, just get on with it. Because the network and the SIM card hasn't made the difference that you hoped it would. It hasn't done location. It hasn't become the source of billing for, for in, in many cases, well, it hasn't become a billing source. The annoying thing is it is the source of location, right? And it is the source of it. But, but they not, just haven't, not for consumers. It, right, but the operator has chosen not to do that. Okay. That's the frustrating thing. Time's, time's pushing on. Yeah. So let's talk about Google Fee or Fi. Let's right. agree to call it Fi. That feels to me more I think it's from Wi-Fi, yeah. right? That's, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. So Google, Google Fi, and this is this is potentially where... We see what they've done there. Let's Google Fi it. Google Fi. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, it's, um, they've, they've, find, they've kind of intervened, and they've relegated the operators to second place because this is a... I, let's say it's, a, it's probably a, a kind of a real test offering, but it's got two mobile network operators behind it. Which they claim are two of the leading... Now, uh, I.e. Two of the use worse of the desperate. leading, they're the third and fourth operator in exactly. the states. We're yes. talking Sprint and T-Mobile, but it is the first time I can think of basically that what what the Google Fi service will do is choose whichever network is best and try and give you the best quality and the best bit of data that it can, and it will also go on to Wi-Fi, and it, they've identified um, think, a ones. number of three hundred thousand high-quality Wi-Fi hotspots. And it will do handover between the two. The technology, they're actually being quite coy about how all of this works at the moment. But that's 
that's that is a bit of innovation being able to switch from one network to the other and then onto wi-fi and just have it all work seamlessly in the background well, it's, it's google saying to the operator look you just you don't know what you're doing you're a you, pipe you, yes you are a pipe so can you stand in the corner and we'll give you your commodity money and that's it. Stand over there. Don't say anything. Because what's interesting here, at least to me, with my nerd hat on, is that I've seen GSM or, or you know mobile network calls to Wi-Fi handoff, and that was kind of impressive. But the handoff between mobile networks is is where it really gets clever because that means Google is doing something over the over and above the actual mobile networks themselves. Or on the handset. Well, either in the handset or in a bit of network infrastructure that they own themselves. Possible. It's possible because yeah. because when you're switching out when you're switching out to to Wi-Fi, you can now go and buy that. You can now go and buy that infrastructure, and that's easier to do. Mm, mm. But actually, you know, the the whole business, the whole business of maintaining that call route between two networks is is challenging, and you have to start actually, you know, beginning to almost run certain parts of the mobile operator yourself. But absolutely, that is how they will be doing it. I mean, I would just because it's Google, I think we should try and be um, probably a little bit skeptical. I suspect handover between. Uh, two networks during a call isn't happening. Oh, they probably are doing the, wi- dreams. The, the Wi-Fi part. But yes, I mean, what they'll be doing is routing it out of the operator network and having it go to into their own you know, infrastructure. As I said, they're not actually being very clear about how this works. It is just a pilot program. It's just available on the Nexus 6. But I think it's it's interesting in America, enough. Obviously, yeah. It's interesting enough to get excited about. I do also want to bring up the uh, the, the pricing, which I yeah, think is top pricing. really interesting and it's twenty dollar basic fee, and then for everything ten, twenty twenty for everything but data. Right, which then gets charged at ten dollars. And that, uh, let's be clear, so that's, it's, that's unlimited calling, yeah. right, and um, unlimited international calling to one hundred forty countries. I think is that, is that read that correctly? Yeah, um, and of course text messaging, and then we come on to data, which in bizarrely is actually I've got mixed feelings about because it works home and abroad. So I love the fact they're not distinguishing when you're roaming, but ten dollars per gigabyte that's actually quite reasonable if you're using maybe two or three gigabytes but if you start to get up to 10 gigabytes which is absolutely possible if you're streaming lots of video um or you know other inter- you know bandwidth intensive programs you know netflix or whatever it happens to be that could start getting quite expensive i mean and is that is that in the well, context is that is for cellular data but in I the context think. of the u.s market though if you wanted to go out and buy a 20 gigabyte plan is, is that good value or poor value? Because yeah. it feels poor value to me as a UK customer. Yeah, but it's but, slightly different than America. But I have access to unlimited tariffs for something approaching 40 or 50 bucks a month. Whereas in the in, in the States, there are actually some quite aggressive caps um, from various... Uh, it depends which operator we talk about. T-Mobile has sort of pushed it most. But uh, typically on someone like AT&T and Verizon, you're going to have not much choice but to pay at least $100 a month, yeah. kind of the, the entry level. And you... Depending on whether you're grandfathered onto an older plan or not, you'll be getting between one and four gigabytes of data. Okay, so we need to we need to wrap it up. But one of the one quick question I want to understand is nothing nothing bar the the inclusive roaming on Google Google Fi, you know, looks particularly exciting beyond the technology challenge of, of doing what Google's done to make the network itself. So what is this going to become? Because this is this is the beginnings of a of, of, a, the of end. an experiment for them, isn't it? It, it feels to me quite like an experimental project and I would actually be skeptical how far this goes I think just like the Nexus device program it's going to appeal to a certain type of person and we'll we'll do well there the one thing that does start to get interesting though is the way that they're linking your phone number to your Google Hangout 
um, or your Google account. God, so, that sounds terrible in the cloud. But what's interesting with Google Voice, what's interesting about that is your phone number is no longer associated with a specific device, but because exactly. associated with any device. So this Step could be a, a Nexus tablet. It could be your uh, Google Chromebook or indeed any other computer. And so that to me is probably the most interesting thing about Google Fi. But as I say, I think people are getting too excited about this because it's just going to be another Nexus program. It's another Google Fiber, which is rolling out, but it's very slow and it will take a long time to change the status quo for most consumers. Yeah, because I love the continuity features on my Apple devices, but that's handing off phone calls or text messages and things between devices locally in a pretty crude way, and it it doesn't work brilliantly well under under pressure. So this is actually moving that continuity up into the network and routing it directly. Which is where it should be. And actually that's where people like Truphone and Simwood and those sorts of people do tend to put it, albeit there are challenges then around controlling that through a a user interface. There there are, and Google Fi is just the first to do this. Make no mistake, we are going to see a lot more operators in the cloud or software-based operators, not just for the consumer, but for the these specialist markets we touched on. Okay, Ewan, have we made at least a little bit of a case that there's something exciting and innovative out there to yeah, yeah. Remember that Google were honestly first. I really like what Amazon have done with their Kindles. I always loved that. Yeah. Um, I'm just excited that that you guys are agreeing with me. I'm not sure that's yes, the conclusion we got to. But I we'll... think that's the effect of what the listeners will take away. Is basically you started off going, oh no, 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 and you've agreed. So great. Yeah. Ewan does tend to live in his own version of the Three Six One podcast. I'm not sure he listens to the same podcast as the rest of us. Well, I think he just doesn't listen to us, Ben. Fair enough. Uh, you can uh, let us know your own feelings. We are on Three Six One Podcast.com, where you can uh, send us an email or leave us a comment. There's a feedback form there if you want to talk to us privately, as some of you sometimes do, which is really nice. Thank you very much. Uh, you can find us at 361podcast on the Twitters. Uh, you should also go to 361podcast.com because imminently we are doing us our end-of-season oh, Ask Us Anything yes. episode, so submit your questions. You can do that in writing, or there are details there of how to leave us a voicemail if you'd like Mobile to Mobile or concrete, things. anything's that way. Well. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to talk concrete platforms with Blanford, Ley Lines, or indeed any type of mobile, mobile technology-enabled archaeology, Rafe Blanford is your man, albeit I may edit that section out. As ever, good to see you guys. Love you. Thank you. Lovely. And uh, we will be back very, very soon. Bye-bye.